0: <laughs> Do you want me to take a photo? Okay. okay. <laughs> Alex.
1: Do people name. even know
0: who I am? <laughs> no. Oh, you're, well, you're GOC fan, my friend.
1: No, everyone okay. knows who Todd is, but <laughs> okay. it's like, just that you're on a podcast. Yeah. So we don't like get to normally see who, what you look like.
2: And that can be disappointing for some people because they hear this warm baritone voice and it's like, yeah, he's pushing 50, you know, dad bods. Dad bods are in. I'm, that's why I'm building mine,
0: my friend. <laughs> Look at that! Thank you. Know, you. Natalie,
3: the, the day society <laughs> starts talking about how hot the mom bod is, that's when we'll know oh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you
0: made the it. First that's, yeah. that's actually
2: totally. That's totally true. Say that me. on the podcast. Yeah. I'm Todd Lyons.
1: I'm Natalie Crandall.
2: I'm Alex Malbath.
1: And I'm Natalie danko Tuwage.
2: And this is the Innovate On Demand podcast. In the digital sphere, the public service has come a long way in facilitating internal collaboration and adopting best practices from other governments and organizations. It begs the question, how are we doing? Where are the areas where we might do better? What skills and knowledge should we strive to increase? Because, as we discussed on a previous episode, what got us here isn't going to get us to the next level.
1: Welcome. Thanks, Todd. Yeah, thanks for having us.
3: Hello. So why don't you guys uh, tell us a little bit about yourselves and a little bit about why uh, you were interested in coming here to be on Innovate On Demand.
1: So I work in digital innovation with uh, Innovation Science and Economic Development Canada. And I'm looking at you know digital transformation within the department and working with our service providers to think about how might we provide our services in um, new uh, ways, but also looking at ways of improving our existing digital services. We also have this unique opportunity to work out of an incubator where we work closely with IT talent in Canada um, and kind of get to see some of the funding that the department is making and the type of IT businesses that are being developed. And I'm constantly thinking about how might we as government work better um, at working with Canadians who are who have sometimes the skills that we need to resolve a lot of the issues that we have when we look at things from a digital tech perspective. So that's my area of interest.
0: And uh, as for me, I work at Health Canada on the uh, cannabis legalization portfolio, specifically business intelligence, which is involved in uh, measuring uh, the existing cannabis market, how it's evolving, what products are selling, what's not selling, et cetera. And we also try to aim to be a digital leader in our branch and within the department using data and technology in the most effective way and leveraging it for Canadians. Cool.
3: Very interesting. Natalie, you mentioned um, wanting to kind of unpack a little bit uh, how the government works with or accesses some of the interesting things that are happening either within Canada or worldwide. What would you uh, think are some of the barriers to us public servants accessing that? You said you have interesting opportunities through the incubator.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely super fortunate that I can work remotely and I've been enabled to work remotely and to, and the work that I do, you know, we have like user research that we do. And so we get to go out and actually talk to Canadians and, and a lot of stakeholder engagement. So I'm very fortunate that I've come into government from Within uh, the innovation context and have worked for several different innovation labs that already value uh, collaboration and engagement as a key to creating new solutions. But the barrier, I think, within government right now is this expert mindset, this idea that we are the experts and we have the solutions and we should build internally internally. And this uh, lack of interest in actually openly communicating with the public the problems we're trying to solve and the policies we're trying to enable. And this is something that I'd like to see change. And when we do engage Canadians, sometimes we're thinking about how might we help them, not realizing that Canadians could actually help government if we see them as potential experts in the field as well. And I see this constantly um, within the IT area, We, especially in Ottawa. We are a hub of so much talent from an IT perspective. And I just think if government engaged more outside of within the confines of our departments, we would find a lot of talent and a lot of answers to the problems we're trying to solve.
0: If if I could just build on on what uh, Natalie just said, I think that it's it's interesting that you bring up the the expert mindset that government has uh, when when discussing technology, because I also see that there's somewhat a lack of data digital literacy among decision makers in the government, and so. It, that, that's kind of a, a, a stark contrast, a strange contrast that we style ourselves as experts who refuse to consult outside. But many of our senior leaders aren't data experts, aren't digital experts, and I wonder if that's hindering their decision to make their ability to make decisions in the best way.
3: That's very interesting. I'm trying to think back to a previous session of Innovate on Demand that we've recorded. And I'm thinking of a guest who uh talked a little bit about the government's role is changing to some extent. And particularly the federal government, part of our role really needs to be around coordination and ensuring that the right people are in the room. So we talk about what are those different perspectives. We are actually, every single one of us here, to serve Canadians. And until we understand all of those different perspectives and have have that sort of more down
1: pat, I agree with you, it's... Those are huge
3: obstacles to to what we do.
1: It definitely is. I feel like when I first started in government, like my first file was looking at creating a new service offering to, for vulnerable youth. And um, it, I remember feeling like when we were trying to figure out how to design this new service offering, um, we brought in a lot of nonprofits and um, we brought in a lot of key stakeholders from various departments like PCO, Global Affairs, ESDC. And it's great, you know, right? great expertise. But I was like, where's the IT talent? Now, three, four years later, I think government is starting to realize that service providers need to work more closely with CIO and our IT internally. And there's also interest to start moving outside of government to identify IT talent outside of departments. But I think it's that co-design piece. So then it's kind of like, well, then now how do we actually effectively co-design? And I think figuring out how we can start prototyping and actually building um, solutions and I think there's a little, you know, And I think in order to do that, is we need an increase in trust. We need to increase trust amongst ourselves, amongst department staff, but also trust in Canadians, right? And like yeah. we tend to invest more in bigger companies um, and think that they can design solutions rather than thinking that startups and mm. smaller businesses could actually produce some solutions and – um our department recently launched the Innovation Innovative Solutions uh, Canada program where uh, you public servants can now propose challenges that small businesses can resolve. But there's still a hesitancy to really like put those problems, those government problems out there and invest in a small business. And I understand because sometimes these problems can impact a lot of Canadians. Mm-hmm. But I think we need to take that risk because who knows, maybe we can build something in Canada and it can come from a small business or startup
3: That's very interesting. So Alex, I think you touched on something that's really key in here, which is as we try and break down these barriers and blow through these obstacles, how do we make sure that the deciders, the people who unblock all of this for us, have the digital literacy uh, that they need in order to make these decisions? And how do we ensure that they have the right data with the right stories?
0: Good question. I think that uh – the way that decision makers in the federal public service currently get to their position as decision makers typically is you know, a multiple decade long career moving up through the ranks. They may be near retirement. And I don't know that in the digital space, that's the best person to be making the decisions. People without the expertise, they can have the best advisors in the world and subject matter experts feeding them the information. But if they don't have that Fundamental understanding that needs to change, and so I don't know if it's looking at a different way of selecting executives. Uh, we had an interesting discussion about this recently at at uh, the One Team Gov Unconference, and Talent Cloud is recruiting external IT um, talent, as as Natalie uh, mentioned, and that might be a good way to start recruiting IT and digital leaders into the public service instead of relying on the public service to produce people with that
3: knowledge. I could not agree with you more. I think to me, it's actually a mobility issue, to be honest with you, Uh, both internal to government, but also coming in and out of government, I think is, is something that would allow people to have just an unbelievable richness of experience and a breadth of experience that would help in a lot of ways. So You know, um, personally, I'm quite interested in uh, skills, skills of the public service, and I'm leading a project right now on skill mapping. So trying to get some actual data about our workforce, which, you know, in 2019, it's shocking that we have these conversations and realize that we actually only store data about the jobs. Mm. And that point of intersection, which is where your performance meets the tasks that you had to do, but I don't know what other languages you speak, what professional you know, memberships you have, what groups you talk to regularly about your work and things like that. Uh, and so I, I really think as we start unpacking and looking at all of that, for me, one of the keys is how do we, how do we facilitate some of that? How do we facilitate, you know, moving people around, allowing people to move? I um, have always thought, you know, someone takes an interchange and, you know, they go work on AI at Shopify, let's say, and they do a two-year interchange there and then they come back. What are the chances that that person wants to do the job that they were doing two years ago? And like as the employer, don't we want to understand what this whole new skill set is and where we can apply it? So I think for me, like a lot of those things in, in and around that is all also about our mobility as public servants.
1: Yeah, and I, and I mean, I've been really fortunate to be able to apply like design thinking in government and like what we usually do for the work that I'm conducting is hosting workshops and conferences where we enable different sectors like and different departments to come and collaborate and talk and exchange knowledge. Mm-hmm. Whenever senior management asks me to solve a problem, the first thing I'm thinking of is how do I get people in the room? Like how do I do a good quick stakeholder analysis of of our department or of our um you know our various departments in government. What are what are some stakeholders outside of government? How do we get them into one room talking with each other and exchanging information? And um, sometimes we've hosted conferences where you have ADMs, DGs sitting with analysts at a table and discussing a topic. We recently did a conference on beyond the Beyond Twenty Twenty initiative, and it was about changing the mindsets of employers and and like managers and employees. And it was a cross level you know session. Um, and enabling people to share their solutions. Um, there's so much knowledge and so much expertise inside the box. It's just like, how do we, like, you, you know, provide that mobility for them to meet and exchange information and make connections? And um, I feel like that's kind of the work that I've been doing a lot of. And um, and now it's just kind of like, well, once you get them to meet and exchange knowledge, now how do we actually build something? Um, and I think that's like the next puzzle piece that I have to figure out. (laughs) Hmm. Very
3: interesting. So I guess the next question then, uh, Natalie, Alex, is why does this matter? Why does digital innovation actually matter in the context of the federal public
1: service? So we were recently at, you know, the One Team Gov conference and one of the topics of discussion was like digital sovereignty. What is digital sovereignty? And it was a really interesting conversation on, you know, how does a nation make sure that they manage... Their data? How do we ensure that we have cybersecurity? And how is digital sovereignty sort of embedded in national sovereignty and national security? And so I think digital innovation essentially is super essential right now as we see the economy shifting from a much in, like an industrial economy towards a more digital economy. So, us as a nation remaining economically viable is deeply connected to us being able to be, you know, advance in the context of digital innovation, but also our national security is uh, deeply embedded in this this issue as well. Um, for example, the banking system, right? Um, it, if that's not secure, like, you know, that's one example of something that has been digitized. Yeah. And if that's not secure, what does that mean for the security of our country economically? And so... I think that's one of the big issues.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think Natalie's is is right. We're we're living in what's effectively a technopoly at at the moment, and uh, you look at Canada, we're we're reliant on all these these big, huge firms that are mostly American, but we need some some Canada made talent to to develop, if not competitors, complementary services that can. Keep some of that digital economy in a, in Canada instead of keeping all that money flowing out, and that's where incubators like I, the one that uh, Natalie mentioned, which uh, I said runs here in in Ottawa, can can be a first stepping stone towards that. They can help solve problems in government. They can help create apps that keep ca- Canadian data in Canada, keep Canadian money in Canada, and that could be a big first step in uh, shoring up Canada's position. In the new digital economy and, and world,
1: and and Alex, you mentioned something about the Estonia Russia situation. If, like, could you highlight what happened in Estonia?
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I, that example uh, kind of highlights the risks of, of, of moving to government to digital. Estonia, when when uh, the wall fell, they they kind of had the opportunity to rebuild their government digitally from scratch, which made them the digital leader in uh, in in Europe and the, the one problem that that comes with with digital is it's a lot harder to defend than a physical asset and physical infrastructure and uh, the, I forget the exact timeline but the russians ended up causing some damage to that infrastructure and and effectively shutting down estonian so, estonian social services and health services and government services for for a few days up to, up to a week And since then, the Estonians have have hopefully patched that vulnerability Mm -hmm. and and uh, are are now more secure. But I think in this entire discussion, as as we we discuss moving to digital is important for Canada and and for the public service. But it all has to be done in a way that ensures our data, Canadians' data, businesses' data is is secure, and uh, and that we can make sure we're doing it doing so in a in a responsible manner.
3: Thank you. It's very interesting. I've heard about the Estonian Kratz before as well. Uh, So I guess they're leaders in some of the robotic process automation where they've created these little uh, basically digital identities that are called Kratz, these little programmable bots, if you will, that go in. and, And so an Estonian citizen, when they're requesting one of their services from their government, can just say, I want to do this. And then they've got these little crats that go in and their crats have you know the credentials, credentials and, and yeah. passwords and all that. And they can go in and make all sorts of edits and do actions on behalf of that citizen in the various systems and stuff.
0: Well, that's, what's great about that is mm-hmm. the yeah. government of Canada, when you think about it, you're a citizen. I want a service from Health Canada. They're taking your sin, your address, your name. I want a service from ESDC. They're going to take – your sin, your address, your name. The good thing about a system like that is that you collect a piece of information once everyone can access it. And on the whole, that makes all the information, if that central database is secure, more secure. And that's hopefully in in the long term where the Canadian government's going to head.
3: Personally, I want to have a... I, I've been talking about this on multiple episodes, so I apologize. You might want to cut this out. But a Phoenix Space System crap that goes in and like helps me figure out where all my data is and helps me analyze a little bit of it. You know, we'll get there one day. Maybe
2: if we keep mentioning it in multiple episodes, it'll come true. It's my hope.
1: Yeah, I think like, I mean, obviously people want their services like more people are online. Um, they're on their mobiles. It's one of the best access points to serving Canadians and 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 potentially informing them of of the services available to them. Um, our department recently launched the Canada Business App, so that small businesses could have a better understanding of what their services are. However, like alongside that, we also have to think about like our internet policies and our digital policies and think about sort of the international context which in, within which, which which we are working and building and, and making sure that it's secure and sort of working with Canadians. Because ultimately, uh, when we build products and we collaborate with international partners, that's money that potentially could have been invested in a Canadian company or Canadian business. So... Um, As we shift into a digital economy and and shift into more digital service providing, um, how might we do that in a way where we're working with Canadians and enabling Canadians um, to build these products? I think that would provide security as well as be a financially viable model for the government to execute. Awesome. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you.
2: Thanks for having us. All right. Thanks. You've been listening to Innovate On Demand, brought to you by the Canada School of Public Service. Our music is by Grapes. I'm Todd Lyons, producer of this series. Thank you for listening.